Good afternoon, Rich Nass, Executive Vice President of Open Systems Media and leader of the Embedded Computing Design franchise. I am here for this week's Embedded Executive podcast. This week, my Embedded Executive is Paul Steger, who is the Director of Engineering for EdgeQ. How you doing, Paul? Doing good. How are you, Rich? <laughs> I am doing just fine. Thank you very much. Um, so before we get started, I ask you the questions that I want to ask you. Um, just let the audience know who EdgeQ is, because I'm afraid that they may not be familiar. Yeah, EdgeQ is a is a 5G chip startup company. Um, so we're we're designing a, an SOC that that uh, is highly software configurable and 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 goes into small cells uh, and and the ORAN solutions as a layer one accelerator. Okay. So I read your bio and you seem to be a Cisco lifer. You must have um, <laughs> a lot of confidence in, in this company and you certainly have a lot of experience in this space. I, yeah, yeah, I was at Cisco for, for quite a long while since uh, 2000 to, to 2022 with the coming in with the Aeronet acquisition. So so with that, that was a that was a time when when we were bringing up Wi-Fi, standardizing Wi-Fi, um, making some some significant changes in the wireless space, and and I think this is a this is another time uh, with with 5G where there's going to be a lot of change and a lot of uh, you know expanding use cases and and wireless, and and so it, uh, it felt like a good time to go to a a very good startup. Okay, so as a startup, though, you're going against um, some pretty big names in the industry who are, who, are, who already have um, a foothold in this space. Why do you think you can compete with some of the real big guys? Yeah, so you know the the Edge Q vision is is really about delivering five G in a way that's you know simple, intuitive, consumable, right? Um, and as a startup, we get to start from a clean sheet. And, and and I think to when you look at the five G, um, you know it's very ambitious in in the number of use cases that, that it wants to address and so forth, and and you really have to start from first principles. So you can't be you know bogged down with your um, you know past decisions. And I, I you know the large incumbents, you know they have a lot of a lot of past architectures, past decisions. They have to carry you know the weight of that. Um, so I think we have an opportunity here, um, and and we're designing a, a really a, a software-defined platform um, that that can adapt and scale into all the applications and, and environments and use cases that that five G really ambitiously wants to cover. So that's okay. We have a good position. So. Uh I won't ask you to name names, but what's some of the baggage that you're referring to? You know, you said you started with a clean sheet and you don't have the baggage that some of the other guys do. What are some of those things that you guys are able to not have to deal with? Yeah, so, you know, a lot of times um, a new a new chip design is going to is going to start from the building blocks and the architectures that that were applicable to the last generation or the generation before. 
Um, the software stack is is not a complete rewrite. It's it's an evolution of of what you had on the table before. Um, and then also you, you have all of the the past that you have to um, continue to invest in and, and support uh, that just doesn't magically go away. So you, you don't have the, the freedom to focus on, on the transition at hand, the product at hand. The way. So you, you bring up an interesting point, though, and I don't know if you did it intentionally, to get somebody to switch from one architecture to another. Um, because as we know, engineers are very comfortable in their comfort zone and they like to design with something that they're familiar with. To move to a different architecture, you have to order, uh, you have to offer a step function of improvement of functionality. Are you able to say that our, our performance is that good that we can convince somebody to switch, switch architectures? Yeah, so, what, okay, so when you look at the new needs, that are that are coming on right um all the new use cases that 5g wants to wants to address um, the machine to machine communications and um, that comes with wanting to create a lot more data use that data at the edge in a very fast way uh, make real-time decisions um, data has a shelf life you know and um to do that, you, you need to deliver not just the compute or not just the connectivity, you know, where it's it's getting generated and you use that data. Um, you you got to deliver them both and and um, integrating in a way that's that's smart uh, so that you get to a cost and a PowerPoint that that means, you know, you can afford to scale this out. Uh, and and I think that's that's definitely where EdgeQ is innovated um, and, and looks to make a, a difference there. So customization and, and both that connectivity and compute where it's needed. Uh, okay, that sounds pretty interesting. What is the environment that somebody would be designing in from an, from an IDE perspective? Because as we know, a lot of this has to do with with the software. So, what is the framework that a developer who's using your SOC designing in? Right. So, so it's built up from a uh, RISC five open architecture. So the tool chains and and uh, the debug and and all of these um, are are open and and available. Um, and and so that it lends itself to customization and bringing in applications um, for AI or um, other compute that you want to run uh, on the SOC um, very very well very easily. And that's that's another area where you know these open architectures and advances in, in um, the basic building blocks, you know, allow you to allow a startup to, to transition and make use of that. Okay. Without realizing it, you just opened up a door for me that I'm going to go <laughs> through here. Uh, I'm an RF guy, keep in mind, right? So <laughs> don't want to press me too hard and, you know. No, nah, these are technical things. I was not aware that this was risk five. So let's go back into your timeline here. Um, did you guys develop your own core? Um. We we developed extensions on a on the on the 
on a on a starting point. Um, those extensions around the the the, the we call the TXU the, the tensor unit. Um, so so in order to do the the layer one signal processing, uh, you know, in real time, uh, you know, this is this is a lot of complex uh, matrix vector math, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, so so we developed the extensions and uh, the microkernel code, the intrinsics um, that that utilize those those hardware extensions on the processor, um, and so that we can we can do different higher layer software to you know have different use cases besides just the layer one. 5G signal processing. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of that math is is pretty aligned with with uh, you know AI inference model processing and so forth. So that's what makes it you know very flexible. So why risk five? Why did did you not go down some other route? What does risk five give you that you couldn't have got by developing with some other processor? Yeah. So. Um, some aspects of risk five, right? So open architecture and allows for custom extensions, right? Um, it's also not an architecture that carries uh, a great deal of initial uh, IP licensing fees and so forth. So, and then it, it has open tool chains, right? And we we ultimately want to get to something that uh, our customer customers can customize and extend uh, in in the in the software layers. Okay, that is quite intriguing. Um, I I find that very interesting. Um, so let's just wrap up with what are some of the five G use cases that you you expect to change the behavior in in how we work? Right, right. Um, so let's see. So five G, you know, I mean that as I said earlier, is pretty ambitious in in what the standard wanted to address in, in terms of use cases, right? And if we look at, there's a lot of um, use cases that, that have in the past been addressed by, you know, sort of narrow proprietary solutions, and closed solutions. Um, well, the manufacturing, automation, defense, military communications, um, and satellite communications as well. You know, these are all um, niche, niche, um, closed uh systems you know um and and so i i think um definitely 5g's you know this is going to be part of the 5g domain um all of these these things and you know what the what the market you know really you know wants is to take those those narrow use cases and and you have to deliver the scale and the cost right um and, and the nice thing about what 5G has done is, is you know, the standards, that, that's a necessary foundation for getting the scale and cost that you need to, to address and, and expand smaller use cases. Um, so, you know, definitely, you know, we're, we're going to see, we're going to see, you know, wireless connectivity everywhere, you know, automation in, uh, in manufacturing and industrial situations uh, that hasn't been done 
uh, before because of the reliability and the latency required there. You know, 5G is definitely targeting that and going to address it. Uh, interesting thing that I've been, you know, working on a little bit uh, directly with the company is uh, getting 5G, uh, you know, satellite, NTN, non-terrestrial networks. Uh, so I think we're going to get get there, um, deliver you know, much higher bandwidth, more remote locations, um, definitely more mobile uh, situations, your expectations for connectivity on an airplane or whatever. Um, it's Christmas, planes, trains, and automobiles, right? Um, is, is definitely gonna, gonna expand. So uh, the really the expectations are gonna go up in all of these little areas and then, um, Machine-to-machine -machine connectivity is going to be very important um, here as well. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Paul. I appreciate you taking the time. Sure. Appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. That was Paul Steger. He is the Director of Engineering for EdgeQ, and I am Rich Nass with Open Systems Media.